Uh, I uh, I had to drive up here last night for something and uh, had to get turned into a I got to drive up here last night because once I, I pulled up, I saw that the new nativity set outside uh, got put up yesterday and we haven't had a nativity set before as a church and it is glorious out there. Uh, so if you have occasion or you need to make occasion, just drive by at night to see that thing. It's, uh, it's just a beautiful set out front and Ron Albertelli uh, brought that and put that together for us and I'm so thankful for it. And uh, as Richard pointed out, I love our sanctuary decorated for Christmas. I think maybe this is the way it ought to be decorated year round. All right. Can I get a second on that motion? None. All right. You Christmas loving people. That was uh, Nevi and the rest of the decorating committee that did all of this in here. And I love it. Um, nobody asks. And I don't try to tell anybody. But if they asked me what I thought you know, my decorating aesthetic should be at Christmas? The answer is more. <laughs> so just, just lay it on there. Uh, make, it, make it obnoxious. Just make it like Christmas threw up all over the place because that's what I want to see is lots and lots of Christmas decorations. And I wasn't always like this. There was a time in my life when I thought it was silly and lame. And of course, that time in my life was when I was a lame teenager who was just too cool for everything. Now, I wasn't cool at all, but uh, I thought of myself as a little too cool for Christmas stuff and too cool for a lot of other things. And uh, I was, of course, the problem here. Now, when I went off to college, uh, I came home the second Christmas I came home in my sophomore year. Uh, I had been already begun dating sweet Meredith. Uh, we were already uh, dating together at that point. And uh, my college vehicle that I was driving was a 1988 GMC conversion van. So it was this massive high top conversion van. And, you know, dad was talking about telling family stories last week. Let me tell you one uh, about David Bird. That's what he thought would be a good idea. Since I was going to college in Arkansas, he thought we need a vehicle that fits Arkansas. And so uh, we got on eBay and found this conversion van that was some guy's beach van out in Florida. And we flew out to Florida and drove it back. And no matter how hard we vacuumed, we never got all the sand out of the carpet from that thing. Uh, could never do it. But it was a really cheap conversion kit, too. It wasn't like like a nice one with the cloth accordion blinds. This one had metal blinds rattling around back there as I was driving down the road. And the couch in the back, it wasn't like on a motor. It was like a futon pullout kind of thing. Uh, but it did work out great in Arkansas. It fit in great. Uh, some buddies and I went camping regularly in it and could throw our mountain bikes in the back and all sorts of other stuff and just go explore the beautiful state there. Well, I came home my sophomore year and I was helping uh, my mother decorate and she always needed her tall sons to decorate because Brenda Bird is a tiny little lady. Uh, and so uh, regularly, my older brother and I would have to get things down for her first and then put things up for her second uh, every year and then get them back down and put them back up uh, because she couldn't reach any of it. Well, that year, there were just a bunch of old decorations she wasn't interested in anymore. And something just kind of switched inside of me. It was like the Grinch with his heart growing three sizes and breaking the measuring device. Uh, I warmed up and I thought, you know what I need to do with all these decorations is have Christmas in the van. And so I took all this garland and lights and I decorated up the inside of that old conversion van into a winter wonderland. Uh, and I put a little Christmas tree in there and I got Meredith just like some little dollar store presents so she could have several presents presents to open. Uh, and I went and picked up Meredith and there was Christmas music playing and we had Christmas in the van that year. 
And ever since then, I've realized that Christmas is worth celebrating and worth celebrating big. All that's true. But that is not, of course, why we celebrate at Christmas. It was just that at that time, I came to the understanding that it is worth going big and celebrating for Christmas. And since then, every year, uh, I'm the one pushing to listen to Christmas music earlier uh, and decorate more because this is a time for celebration. We don't want to get caught up in materialism, of course, and in buying things uh, as our version of worship. At the same time, though, any celebration ought to be sized to the degree of how excited you are over the thing you're celebrating. And the coming of Christ into the world, and for me, the coming of Christ into my life, is worth celebrating ever more and all the time because of what great darkness He saved me out of and He saved us out of. Today, our Bible passage is going to have us ask and answer this question several times. Why Christmas? Why go big in celebrating Christmas? So our passage for today is Titus chapter 3. Not a normal Christmas passage, but as you see it, it will help us answer that question, why celebrate? Titus chapter 3, verse 3. The Apostle Paul writes this letter to one of his young protégés, Titus, who goes with the authority of Paul as a pastor to teach in certain churches, and to appoint more pastors in the area that he is going to. And this is the advice. This is what Paul tells Titus to be teaching. And the first thing that Paul says to him is this. Chapter 3, verse 3. For we too were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by various passions and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, detesting one another. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us, not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to His mercy through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. He poured out His Spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, we may become heirs with the hope of eternal life. This is the Word of the Lord today. Thanks be to God. Why Christmas? Why celebrate so big for Christmas. Because, first of all, we were all foolish and disobedient and deceived and enslaved and hateful. We can only celebrate big because of what great darkness we were saved out of. This is the good news is that we weren't okay. And we were living, as John says, in darkness, in such a great darkness. And this darkness was not just in the world, but it was in us, and we were a part of it. And we loved this darkness. This is our life. But the kindness of God appeared to us. 
and his love, and he saved us out of this darkness. I want to celebrate enormous because this is not just general about humanity. This is true about my life. I was disobedient. I was foolish. I was deceived. I was enslaved by various passions and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, detesting one another. It's fun to joke about being a high schooler who's just kind of too cool for everything. But it's not just a joke. I was living in darkness at one point in my life. All that was in me was a hatefulness towards other people. I was foolish. I was disobedient. I was deceived. And I was enslaved by the passions of the flesh. This is true for you as well. Why celebrate big? Jesus shares a story about a woman of ill repute who comes to him at a dinner party and she breaks some perfume over his feet and she begins to wash his feet with her tears and with her hair. And the people at the the guests of the dinner party are uncomfortable by this and what's happening here. And Jesus says to them, the one who has been forgiven much loves much. And I say to you today, the one who has been forgiven much is the one who celebrates much at Christmas. The one who rightly understands how dark our lives were because it's not just me, but you too. You were once foolish and disobedient, deceived and enslaved, hateful and hating others. And it's perhaps the truth today that you're not yet a believer. And so this describes your life even as now living in darkness, foolish disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by various passions, and just hateful, envious, and spiteful. Why Christmas? Because of this good news. Though that's our condition, Scripture says, but when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us. That's why we celebrate. Our condition was that dire, but his love and kindness were so much greater than our dire condition. This is why we celebrate. So great is the kindness of God and the love of God that he would save us from such dire circumstances. God has saved me and forgiven me from great things. And you too. This is who the God is who created everything. He is a God who is kind. He is a God of overwhelming kindness. And His kindness never slows down towards us. This God is unchanging, He has said about Himself. So that He is kind means He is always kind and never less kind. And it's not anything we've done as you read here. But why does He do this? It's just in his nature and character. He is kind and he loves mankind. Though we are not lovable, he loves us. So why Christmas? Because the fact that he saved us is not predicated upon any righteous works that we have done. It's based on who he is. Every time I meet with prospective members who are interested in being members at our church, I ask all of them, I say, if you, the old evangelistic diagnostic question, I ask and say, if you die today, are you certain you'd be in heaven with Christ? It's an old question. It's very simple, but I think it's very important. 
Do I even do this when sharing the gospel with somebody who, who believes they're a Christian, who says, yeah, 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 I, I, I believe all this I'm in. And I say, well, if you die today, you'd be in heaven with Christ. And they go, ah, I don't know. And there's plenty of good, well-meaning Christians who I've sat down and had this conversation with, who I've asked this question to, and they've paused because they're good Christians and they are filled with Christian humility. Uh, they've paused to think about their life and say, you know, I hope to be. I'm trying my best to be obedient to Christ and follow his life. And I'm always encouraging at this. Good. Good for you. Continue to try your best to live an obedient life to Christ. But the assurance for our salvation, it doesn't have anything to do with us at all. And so, if you hear the question, if you die today, are you certain you'd be with heaven with Christ, and you start thinking about you, you've already started down the wrong direction, because the assurance for our salvation is based not on anything we've done, righteous or unrighteous, but entirely on what Christ has done. And so, every Christian ought to be able to say, yes. It's not arrogance on my part to say, yes. I know that if I die today, I will be in heaven with Christ because of who He is, not because of who I am. Because I believe He is as kind as He says He is. And I believe that He has loved me as much as He says He does. And I believe when He says, if we are faithful to confess, He is faithful to forgive. That all my confessed sins to Him have been forgiven. I believe Jesus when he says that everyone who comes to him, he will receive all of them and he will not lose one of them. Our assurance for salvation is because he is exactly who he says he is. So I ask you today, if you die today, are you certain you'd be in heaven with Christ? For the believer, the answer is yes. Because Jesus Christ is who he says he is. And this is why Christmas and our great celebration, it's because of the depths of the darkness of our hearts that we're saved from. It's because of the kindness and mercy of God. It's because of just how completely sure our salvation and hope is in Him. This is why we celebrate so large a Christmas. Why do we celebrate so big? Because in Christ, we will never be alone again. Look what he says. He saved us, verse 5 through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. And He poured His Spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Do you know that when you believe in Christ for the first time, He puts His Spirit on you? And how much does He put His Spirit on you? To what degree, dear Christian, do you receive the Spirit? Did he give you a sprinkling of the Spirit? Did he give you a dot of the Spirit? Did you get a dab of Spirit? Do you periodically in your life get misted with the Spirit? No, no. Did you read this verse? He poured out his Spirit on us abundantly. To be in Christ, not because of our doing, but because of how good this God is, is to have the Spirit abundantly in our lives at all times. This means that God Himself is with us at all points. 
Though we will feel alone at many times in our lives, we are never alone. When Jesus Christ came, one of the titles they ascribe to him is Emmanuel, a Hebrew word that means God with us, and it's still true. God is with us at all times. We sing Emmanuel, the name of Christ, because this God, the Holy Spirit, is with us at all times. If you go on in this life for any amount of time, you will feel the tragedy of being left alone, of those saints who were dear to you, who have gone on to be with the Lord and were no longer with them. So this is a cause for grievance, and this is why we talk about it on Remembrance Sunday. When we remember fondly those people and the investment they put on our lives, where we remember with grief how we're separated from them now and how it's right to grieve, but how we also grieve with hope because we know in Christ we will be reunited on that day when Christ returns. And we know all along the way, Christ never leaves us alone. He is with us always even until the ends of this age. Uh, I am grieved uh, this Christmas to not be able to go and see uh, my grandmother. I have one grandparent uh, left alive, Mama, my dad's mother, and she lives down in Austin, Texas with the family there where dad grew up. Um, she lives in a nursing home, and she has a very severe dementia at this point. Uh, and her nursing home just went back down to lockdown. Our plan this Christmas as we went to Dallas was to make that further trip and drive down through Austin, uh, which is a hard thing to do after driving cross country to keep driving more. And uh, this is why in the five years that we've been out here, we've only been able to go down and see Mamaw one time uh, in the last five years. And I was hoping this would get to be our second time, that we'd get to do it and go see her again. And uh, found out recently because of the, uh, the growth in cases and the outbreak, they've relocked down her nursing home. Um, she won't be able to go out or she won't be able to get back in. And she needs the constant care at this point. Even more so, the dementia has uh, robbed her of any memory of any of her family members, not just of my little version of the Bird family, but even my aunt, who's her primary caretaker. Uh, she doesn't recognize anybody. And uh, it, it's sad. And my dad and I had a sad moment together because uh, we may not either one of us get to see her again, this side of the return of Christ. And, uh, and the sadness also for her not to be alone there, apart from family. But we know my sweet grandmother, this faithful saint, has been faithful to the Lord all her life obedient to him and raising her family right. Know that she's not alone, but the Holy Spirit is with her. And though we're in grief at this present darkness and difficulties, we know that Christ will make all things right at just the right time. Though now we grieve, yet why Christmas? Why celebrate? Because we know that God is never leaving us alone in our grief, but he's always with us. At no point are we alone, but that the Holy Spirit is on us abundantly to empower us, to guide us, to strengthen us, to seal our salvation, and to be our comforter and our counselor at all points. So we rejoice even in difficulty and pain. And why Christmas? Because we all live in joyful expectation of the return of Christ. How do you live in expectation 
joyfully. You know, waiting is not a pleasant experience. Uh, we Americans are particularly bad at waiting on things. You know, waiting and patience are not really an American virtue. <laughs> we want things immediately. And, uh, and I'm all the more grieved right now because I have been trained by Amazon to expect everything within two days, anywhere in the world is coming from. I expect it now. And now that things are showing up five days after I order them, what's the deal? You know, where's the holdup? Waiting expectation are the worst. How do you have joyful, joyful waiting, joyful expectation? We Christians wait expectantly on the return of Christ, and we do so joyfully. And we can do it joyfully because we know that Christ won't be late. He will be right on time. He won't be delayed. That His return will be perfect that it'll be right when He plans for it to be. We know that He is coming for certain. And so for all these reasons, though we wait patiently, yet we wait joyfully and in celebration over Christmas because we know this God who came at the first time right on time will come the second time right on time. One sermon that I love to get to preach at Christmas, and oh, you're going to get it next Sunday, is, uh, is Simeon and Anna. Uh, Simeon and Anna, a, a very old priest and a very old prophetess, who Simeon gets a word from the Lord that he's not going to die until he sees the Lord's to the temple. And so he's there when the baby child Jesus comes in and he takes the child in his arms and he says, that's it. You can take me in peace, Lord. My eyes have seen the salvation of God. You really is an old, old man who waited his entire life. His life was about patiently waiting on the Lord, but his life is about the fact that Christ always comes right on time. And so we wait joyfully, patiently, expectantly, knowing that Christ will return. And when he does, the dead in Christ will rise. When he does, we will become heirs with the hope of eternal life. When He returns, there will be no more temptation in these bodies. There will be no more sin. There will be no more death or tears. When He comes, evil will be done away with for good. And so we wait expectantly, but joyfully and celebrating because we know that Christ has already won the victory. And he will come back right on time. So what are we supposed to do today? Three things you need to do. Number one, celebrate. Easy, right? Isn't it great when the sermon application is celebrate? And that's the sermon application when you're a Christian. If we're by his great kindness and love and has nothing to do with what we've done, then the first thing that we all need to do is celebrate. The Christian life is the life of celebration because he has done what we could not do. And so it's true. The first thing that we need to do is let us celebrate. Let's go big. Let's celebrate in a large way. Second thing that we need to do is be patient and kind with other people. That's how this passage starts out. Paul says to Titus, we were once living in darkness but that's verse 3. Verse 1 starts, remind them, that is the church, all of us, remind them to submit to rulers and authorities, to obey, 
to be ready for every good work, to slander no one, to avoid fighting, to be kind, and to always show gentleness to all people. Why? Because we were once living in darkness too. We were being and hateful and spiteful and envious. So we will come across people in our lives who simply live in darkness, enslaved by passions, hateful, hating, envious, and that is life for them. And the command for us is to be gentle to all people, show kindness to them, because we were just like that. But when he showed up in our lives, he saved us and he can save them as well. All the more this application works during a COVID season where we all ran out of patience long ago. Yet, we should be kind and patient because the kindness of God does not run out for us either. So what's our applications? Celebrate. Be kind and patient with all people in measure of how kind and patient God has been with us. The third thing is this, and this is a good easy one too. Participate in the Lottie Moon Christmas offering this year. Every year for the month of December, we as a congregation take up an offering, and this is a Southern Baptist Convention-wide offering named for Lottie Moon, who was a missionary who, as a young lady, went to live her life in China and spent her entire life in China, uh, faithfully proclaiming that Jesus Christ is Lord to people who had never heard of this. She was a missionary all her life and single all her life for the sake of the gospel, and she was faithful to the very end. She's the one who said, had I a thousand lives to live, I would give them all for the salvation of the people in China. So our International Mission Board takes up this offering every year. For all of us Southern Baptist Convention churches, the goal denomination-wide is $175 million. Yeah, not from us, but nationwide. The goal for us is to have participated in that. And so I'd like for everyone who's a member to participate in some measure, even if it's really small. This goes directly to our International Mission Board. We have, I'll check and give you the exact answer uh, next week. We have something like 4,000 missionaries out in the world right now proclaiming the gospel in all kinds of nations and places. And this goes to continue to support their work and increase more missionaries. So it's not about the amount you give. Simply pray to God and ask how much you should give and follow his leading. But if everybody would put something across the month of December. The offering buckets are out in the lobby. Um, you have to label this Lottie Moon Christmas offering or missionary offering or Christmas offering. So we know it goes to that and it's not just normal tithing. You can also drop it off any day of the week in this metal drop box that's in the door under the awning out here. Our mailbox is also a locking mailbox, so you can slide it in there. You've got the whole month of December. We're going to be collecting this and talking about it every Sunday. But uh, let us participate in this so that the celebration can extend to all of those too who do not know yet that light has come into the darkness. So what are we going to do? Celebrate. Be patient and kind. And then together, let's give this offering so that other people can hear as well. I'm going to close this by reading the words to one of my favorite Christmas hymns to you. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary soul rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Truly, he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression will 
Sweet hymns of joy and grateful chorus raise we. Let all within us praise His holy name. Christ is the Lord. Oh, praise Him forever. Christ is the Lord. Oh, praise His name forever. Father God, Jesus is Lord. We will be praising His name forever. Receive now this time, this song, and all of our lives as a worshipful offering to you. It's our joy to get to worship by celebrating Jesus Christ as Lord. This I pray in your name. Amen.